to Black History Mini Docs Podcast. Welcome to Black History Mini Docs Podcast. I'm Akisha McCants, founder of Whole Body Literacy and Education, aka Wibble. We are an educational consultancy company that designs literacy rich and theater informed workshops and programming that activate encourage, inspire, and nurture individual and collective growth, discourse, embodiment, and truth-telling for equity and change. I'm excited to be a guest host at Black History Mini Docs podcast, and I'm even more excited to be in conversation with Erica L. Ewing, CEO, founder, and creative at Got to Stop, LLC. Got to Stop is a social impact consulting company and fashion lifestyle brand that uses the arts, advocacy, and education to raise awareness about injustice. Their mantra is, it's not a movement, it's a lifestyle. And Got to Stop's fearless and passionate leader, founder, Erica, has been making headlines, provoking dialogue and action through her work across New York City, and in particular in Harlem. Got to Stop produces and designs social consciousness wear that sparks conversation. And so in true history made style, Erica is a part of a continuum of activists using their talents to protest and demand the dismantling of systems of oppression that have for centuries targeted black people in particular. Last January, before the pandemic shut down our cities, she rang the NASDAQ closing bell with UNITAS to bring awareness to human trafficking as a public health crisis. And now she will join a number of outstanding organizations in Harlem to line Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard with the words, Black Lives Matter. This movement of painting the streets with those words began in Washington, D.C. early this June as a secret project that made history overnight. Black Lives Matter Plaza is a two block long section of 16th Street Northwest in downtown Washington, D.C. And following the creation of the mural, the mayor of D.C. renamed the street leading right up to the White House, Black Lives Matter Plaza. Power to the people, right? This first mural to hit the streets of New York was in Brooklyn, and now it's happening in Harlem this week. I am proud as a Harlemite that this mission, this project is coming right home, and it hits home, and it's very much important. We want to welcome Erica. Erica, so good to see you. Thank you. Oh, so my much. goodness. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. When you're working for the people, by the people, for the people, all the people, it's, it's, it's no rest. No rest. No days off. No days off. I know that's right. I know you're working hard, Oh, you know, working, pulling long hours. I know you've been doing a lot. Um, even with the shutdown of the cities during the pandemic, you've been doing a lot of work um, around mobilizing folks and talking about, you know, using your, your power to inspire. It's been amazing to, to watch your uh, organization grow. Um, so let's talk about the Black Lives Matter Street Mural Project in Harlem. Where okay. exactly will this mural be? The mural is going to be on Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard between West 125th Street and West 
127th Street, on the northbound and southbound side. On the southbound side, going towards downtown, we have the communities, um, community-based organizations coming out to paint, each painting a letter. And on the northbound side, we have eight muralists who are going to be painting two letters each. Wow. And I know that's a lot of work. Uh, having read up on the Washington, D.C. mural that happened overnight in the Shroud of Darkness, and um, it takes a lot of uh, power to get those done and to do it so exquisitely. Who will you be working with? And first of all, let's start with how did you become involved in this project? So um, a woman named Nicoa Evans Hendricks is the executive director of Harlem Park to Park. Harlem Park to Park is an organization that was started in 2009. And the idea was to bring business owners in Harlem together to support each other and to basically come together to say, we're, we're here to be empowered. We're going to develop our community. We're going to stay with our community. We're going to stick with our community. So they, they, they partner with a lot, number of projects together, festivals, art, you know, meetup crawls, eat crawls, you know, all kinds of promotions and things to get people to come to Harlem to have a Harlem experience, an authentic experience. She's been doing that since 2009. And I joined Harlem Park to Park actually this year, maybe, maybe not even two months ago. So, you know, you're talking about being ripe and ripe for the season. I joined and all of a sudden, it's like she understands social impact. I'm one of the product lines. They call me a product line because mm -hmm. right, of products. And so I'm like, okay, learning this world, this, this, this lingo. And all of a sudden, she sees the DC mural on, and she posts on Facebook. She goes, wow. And all of a sudden, I was the first one to respond, yes, let's do it in Harlem. Let's go. But we're not going to paint our letters that color. We got, I can't even give it away. We got, Right. And so at that point, the ball went in motion. She got on the phone, started talking to um, elected officials, pushing it because we know this was something the mayor would have to prove. We're shutting down streets mm. and neighborhoods. And so she's on the phone doing that. I'm starting to think about logistics. Who can we get? What partners should we bring in? What organizations are serving Harlem, who's here, who's not, who's not visible, but you know it's working. Mm. Um, because sometimes we don't see that, and of course the media doesn't give you that. And trying to figure out who the people that Gotta Stop has partnered with to do trainings, to do advocacy work, to raise awareness, and who's really not getting shot. And community centers, people that basically run community centers in, in Harlem are important in the, to the fabric of the community. They are the ones that know your babies. They know your children. They know what's going on with grandma. They know who died in COVID, who didn't, who got it, who was sent home. They know that, that the underbelly of, of this beast that we were fighting. And I had a whole campaign on COVID-19. Racial disparities got to stop. Racial disparities stand up. I masked for solidarity all across the globe. And that was moving. People were like, yeah, I'm raising my flag. It's happening in Brazil. Look what's going on in Brazil. So I had Central American flags with African flags. I had um, 
um, Caribbean flags that was going like hotcakes. And all of a sudden, George Floyd. Mm. And I was already having turbulence within because from COVID, the collection of the reminders, making reminder bags, washing hands, social distancing. Then it got deeper into racial disparities in healthcare, inequities. I was on all of it. George Floyd came and was like, and I had turbulence because I started reading child abuse was going up. These are issues that I'm passionate about. I've done campaigns on child abuse awareness, all a part of the human trafficking um, collection. And human trafficking is going up. And so now the world, my, my children not safe. And then black people are not safe. Mm. Black men are not safe. And I'm going to go that far to say black police officers are not safe. The world's not safe. And so within the corridors of Harlem streets where you know the greats have really walked. I mean, we've had tragedy in Harlem, but we had some triumphs. We've had some amazing people, even like your parents that that have come from Harlem and born and raised and bred in Harlem. I wasn't born and raised in red, but my grandmother migrated from Indianapolis, Indiana to Harlem. Mm. to start and continue her businesses here, mm. right? 123rd Street, I mean, between Adam Clayton Powell and Lenox Avenue. Mm-hmm. And then when did that get devastated? It got rocked and devastated by the crack e- epidemic. I mean, it, it came through and we're still dealing with impacts. My uncles are dead to this day. There were lifestyle things that they were doing, yes. But that drug, that disease. And so this is really a part of the continuum around continuing that energy, that, that, that tradition that, that Black people created in Harlem to, to fight back against injustice systems that have oppressed us for centuries. Um, and when I think about it, this event happens next week. People can come down, right? Yes, but I, I got to give you a little bit more. Akisha, okay. It gets a little bit more of a polytricking moment. So, yeah, talk about On it. On the day of the event, there are three murals going up in New York City. Mm. There is one going on in Central Street. There is our mural going up in Harlem. There's the mayors going to Trump Plaza. What you have to understand is this, this would not have happened. They were not bringing the mural to Harlem. They were picking one location, and that one location was Center Street. We're the ones, Nicola fought tooth and nail to push it, push it. I said, keep pushing, keep pushing. What you need to understand is that this mural was not going to happen in Harlem because they were only going to pay for one. And that one was Center Street. They weren't thinking about Harlem. And I said, we're not making a mural to say and give any more attention 
to laws that are ineffective and egregious, bias. Mm. We need to talk about why it matters to me. Let's answer the question. Black Lives Matter, well, why? We're going to answer the question why on July 2nd and July 3rd. And we're going to end on Independence Day. We're going to let you know we're going to claim another and a new liberation day. But remember, the stenciling of a street, two sides of a street, our, our vision, this whole vision of the community come out and being a part of this, they're not paying for that. We have to do that. And we're doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so amazing about this piece. Mm-hmm. Because I don't need you to tell me how to manifest my vision, but I don't need you in my way. Mm. And what we're learning now about laws, because remember, there's all these codes, all these policies. It's almost like, how do you work within a system to get the things that you need? This is a good lesson about, it's a system, it's systemic racism. Once again, you're going to only pay for one mural and who decides and who makes that process why you stencil? Why do you stencil Staten Island and not? I mean, you stencil. You didn't stencil Brooklyn's first one, but you stencil Brooklyn's second one. Who's making these decisions based on what? Right. It starts to think about your knees on my neck again. Mm. And when you when you tell somebody you don't have the economic, um, you don't have the economic uh, money. You don't have the money. You don't have the money to do it, so you can't do it. Shut you down. Oh, great idea. Can't get done. But here's the thing about Black people, right? We never give up. We have been through this system time and time again. And I just want to take a moment. Um, As I mentioned earlier, we're part of, this is part of the continuum. In fact, July 2nd, when this event kicks off, is Thurgood Marshall's birthday. And Thurgood Marshall Academy is painting the street. Thank you. And so, so we, in honor of that, I want to take a moment for us to check out this Black History mini doc made in Thurgood Marshall's honor. And we'll be right back. Black History mini doc. What uh, the South considers a lawsuit is violent. Well, if that's violent, yes, I'm for it. His victories helped break the color lines in housing, transportation, and the giant, 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 giant of a man. Historians will note this hour at the White House in a Rose Garden ceremony. A 58-year-old great-grandson of a slave, son of a slave, nominated by President Johnson to be a Supreme Court Justice. He is Solicitor General Thurgood Marshall, acknowledged the best-known Negro lawyer of the century. The century. The president also calls his nominee best qualified. Best qualified. He was the legal mind of the civil rights movement. <laughs> 
And Erica, you just dropped the bomb, right? Listen, Thurgood and Marshall Academy is painting the street. They're, they're painting the street. And also, understand the great the names. Adam Clayton Powell Jr., pe people don't realize what he did. He was the first and only. He, he's basically passed the most legislation that any congressman ever, has ever done. Yep. He also started the first bus boycott, New York City boycott, 1941. It didn't start in Montgomery. It started in Harlem. Mm. And so you need to know that. He also started what you call the civil rights movement in terms of the, the importance of the churches. He centralized what the churches and the power could do. Mm. So if you ask me who made set the blueprint of where King was going, Makes sense, right? Adam Clayton Powell Jr., we're right on the corner of Martin Luther King Boulevard, but we're also um, in front of Malcolm X's mosque, seven. Mm. So these three men, and Thurgood Marshall goes down the street to 135th. That's on the corner of, of Adam Clayton Powell. Mm. There are these great men, and they're great black men. So let's not lose sight of that. When we see the images of black men, black bodies hanging, black bodies shot, black bodies suffering, black bodies choking to death, black bodies with a knee on their neck. We gotta remember. This is why these people are. Yeah. There's an African burial ground. Someone said, well, we're also near the African burial ground where we're downtown in Foley Square. And I said, but there's an African burial ground all over this city. Mm. Mm. Oh, and, and it's right probably two blocks from you. People are dying every day. Yep. COVID-19, this is the African burial ground. The enslaved African burial ground of the Americas is in Harlem today. Yeah. So... Don't tell me what sake. This is all sacred space. Mm. Everywhere we walk is sacred. Everywhere we walk, we carry a piece of history with us. And people don't realize history is not about facts. History is about emotion, the memory. Memories are made of emotions and feelings and thoughts. That's why some people, when they lose their memory, they can remember when they were a child, but they can't remember right now. Because that present moment is not as pressing. It's mm -hmm. not as weighty. It doesn't come with that DNA of the emotions of pain, anguish, sometimes joy. Mm -hmm. So we really are going to be thinking about and reflecting who we are. We have eight muralists, multi-generational, that's amazing in itself. Yeah. It's amazing to have a neighbor who has a major gallery, Thomas, Thomas Heath. He sells his shirts right outside. He does different installations all over the world. But he lives two doors from me. And when that was, who are we going to get? First call. Mm. Answered it. And when he got on the phone for the first meeting, everybody was talking about how they feel. He sat there and said, I'm just going to bring the ancestors. Mm. Beautiful. I mean, and it's really, I, you know, everything you said 
speaks to my heart and soul. And it's really, as I mentioned, a part of that continuum and thinking about what we want for the future. Why is this important right now? Right now. Especially in the era of COVID, especially in this era of uprising again for Black lives um, and solidarity. So what is the hope? of this mural project, like your work, this work, this collective work, these voices of these people, black people in Harlem, what will it inspire? Is there legislation, yeah. policy change? Like what is the hope? So, so, so basically we're, we're to, it's a three prong approach. We always talk about a couple things. How do you make systemic change? Well, when you bring together black businesses, 256 businesses are under Harlem Park to Park. You're talking about economic development, and that's where we need the most help. That's where we need to show mighty. Mm. Then you talk about social impact. You have to push. You have to have those out there that are raising the question, raising awareness, asking the questions, having the courageous conversations. That's where Gotta Stop comes in. Mm. See a logo, Gotta Stop Killing Us? Killing us. Mm. Very specific. Killing. And then you start to talk about we're doing some voter registration that day. Mm -hmm. We're talking about voter registration. And the one thing you can never, ever ingredient forget when you want to make systemic change, you have to bring the creatives. Mm -hmm. The creatives inspire nations. They set the tone. There is a tone. There's going to be a sweet spirit in the air mm-hmm. that's going to penetrate. We want that aroma, right. that, 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 that sweet stench to last and permeate, mm-hmm. cleanse out, sage all the death. Right. So, no, we're not going to paint our letters in yellow and black in front of a police station. It looks like caution tape. Mm. No, we're not going to go paint in Foley Square where they do die-ins in the court building because you're already in the system at that point. Mm. We're going to go to liberation where we are free, the land of the living, Mm -hmm. inspired by ancestors that were telling us we did matter, we always matter. And now you've got to let them know why you matter. Right. And it's loud. And it's big. Southbound, northbound streets, shutting down streets for um, three days. Mm. It's, you can't miss it. It makes me think when you spoke about art and how important it is, Toni Morrison spoke about it. This is the time when we get to work, Right. This is the time when we show up. And um, your work is really impactful, Erica. I mean, you've been working tirelessly for justice for like how many years? As an I think since I was a child. I mean, I think me, you and I are probably like yeah. fighting in, 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 in the belly, in the womb. I was right. a fighter. I mean, you, know, you I, came out, <laughs> right. I came out being very deprived. I didn't have nourishment. And I lived without eating for months mm. as a child. They said, my mother said, you, you, you're going to live. And that's the point. We're going to live. Mm. We're going to live. But I'm also going to let you know what I need from you. Stop killing us. Well, yes. And so that exemplifies this history made right now. Right. 
And in speaking about like, you know, we haven't even gone into the work that you've done. You've offered free community trainings, community-based movements. You've gained recognition for your work around anti-human trafficking efforts. I mean, which definitely have um, implications as disproportionate number of African-American and black children of color are trafficked each year. Um, in fact, last year in March, 2019, because of your efforts, the United Federation of Teachers, UFT, adopted an anti-trafficking resolution in partnership with Got to Stop. I mean, this resolution states all New York state teachers will receive training in human trafficking prevention. And that is the work, you know? So it was also the art and the work coming together to make a difference, to make a change. And it reminds me of the work of Ida B. Wells, who was ah. on July 16th, the day before my birthday, she was an abolitionist and feminist who used her talent and as a journalist to lead an anti-lynching crusade in the 1890s. Right. And you know what? Let's drop her doc right now. All right. I love it. Come on, Ida. She was born July 16, 1862 in Holy Springs, Mississippi. Ida B. Wells Barnett, school teacher turned activist. At the young age of 22, Ida refused to leave a first-class lady's car on a Memphis railway. It took three conductors to drag me off that train. I got a lawyer, and I sued. Wells won $500 from the lawsuit. She took the money and started the Memphis Free Speech. In 1892, Thomas Moss, a respected black store owner and friend, was accused of raping a white woman, dragged out of jail and hung. That's when Wells started to write articles against lynching. One day, an angry white mob stormed into her office and destroyed everything. They told me that they would kill me if I ever returned to Memphis. Ida left Memphis, but she continued to write articles. They brought her worldwide attention, eventually bringing her anti-lynching campaign right to the White House front door. I felt that one had better die fighting against injustice than to die like a dog or a rat in a trap. Ida B. Wells Barnett. A mother, wife, teacher, journalist, editor, anti-lynching crusader, freedom fighter. So beyond this historic event, how can others get involved and partner in solidarity? One thing I think you got to honor yourself. We got to go back to understanding who we are as people. Forgive yourself. Release those people from the dungeon. I have people in the dungeon. People have hurt me. Trauma is huge to, to, to part of our healing. But taking accountability, not to say you, you made a mistake, but to say it happened. It happened to me. This is how I feel about it. Finding networks of people to talk to, having community. So we're showing solidarity in communities and all age ranges from children all the way to adults. So you got to find your community, find your niche, find your cause, find, find the people that you can be passionate with and vulnerable with. That's one. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about, well, why is voting important? Why does that make a difference? Why do you think it doesn't make a difference? Mm -hmm. Those kind of conversations come up all the time. And we've got to understand what we mean by, oh, the senses. The census was probably more important than any other thing we could have done. And it comes right to your house. 
You could have done it online and we didn't do it. Why didn't we do it? Because we didn't know what it was about. It sounds scary. Count the people in your home. Let me know who's in your house. It is their approach. I will say that as an engagement strategist, I wouldn't say it's about counting. It's about what are your needs. If I say what your needs are, what does your family need more of? I need more um, hospitals in my area. I need better playgrounds in my area. I would love more um, times for kids to have pools in my area. That's a different way to ask that question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Not count people in your house and based on other people, based on the color of their skin, based on their age, then, oh, we're going to decide, determine what you get. That's how the system, um, the census works. So we got to make it work, but we got to explain, educate. It's really about what your needs are because people are afraid of ICE. They're afraid, oh, if I count the number, they're going to come and knock on my door and get deported. And they instilled that fear in us. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? We don't fill it out. So you wonder why your community doesn't have a certain thing. Why it doesn't have a certain, uh, something you need? A hospital, better schools, school closer to you, you know, um, pools, recreation. Because you didn't fill out census. Because it says, y'all don't need it. You didn't say you needed it. It's kind of, it's very tricky. And it's, it's really probably tricky. real fear and real targeting. So it is a part of a continuum as well of when we believe or trust, we have been, our trust has been broken. And, and also knocking at someone's door for the census was, was the way they were doing it. Mm-hmm. What happened to Eleanor Bumpers when they knocked on her door? Right. Exactly. What happened to Breonna Taylor Say her when name. they bust in her door? Say Our it. doors are barriers to, to, to harm, to right. danger, and we have been invaded. So you can't tell me you are not on my door and tell me how many people are in my house. That, for us, that doesn't translate as safe. And so they haven't found ways to make us feel safe. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be able to be out on a block full of people. We're going to be social distancing. I'm making it safe. I'm the head of logistics, engagement logistics. I'm the director of that to make sure that they just moves, moves, moves. Think about the plaza, how big it is on Adam Clinton, um, on 125th. That whole corner is huge. And so... I had to think about all of that. Nicole and I had to think about all of that. The permit is in her name. This, she has to execute this under her company that right. she holds all the responsibility of 250-something businesses. Huh. This is important. This is important. Some people didn't even know that there were black business owners right. that, that have black businesses in all that are thriving. Not surviving, thriving. Mm-hmm. He didn't know. Why not visible? No one's coming up here and making that article. Mm. Right? They only give a couple spotlights. They don't give all spotlight. Mm. But you know you can't live without a little bit of Amy Ruth's waffle. You know you can't. Mm-hmm. How many commercials do you see about Amy Ruth? Mm-hmm. So I got a question. My final question for you is, how can folks who maybe don't live in New York City how do they contribute to this movement? Is there a website they can visit? What can they Well, do? they can visit my website um, at www.gotastopllc.com, um, but really join the Gotta Stop Think Tank 
on Facebook. It's an active group. We talk about issues. We talk about the things that we need to be um, looking at when we're voting this year. The Supreme Court justice is a major one. We talk about Thurgood Marshall. We got to get somebody in there. Because there's some elections that you really need to watch right now. Um, (laughs) McConnell, somebody's running up against McConnell right now. Mm -hmm. And there's two candidates. One is a black man and one is a black, a, a white woman. We have to look at the races that are going to matter right now. And so we're going to be giving you information in those think tanks about how do you look at this ballot and how you can be an ally, true ally. I don't listen with, with social media. I can tag on my tag, um, Texas or Detroit or Flint and make a message to those people. See, that's our code. You hashtag something it follows. I can sway a voter in Iowa from New York. And we can do that. And we have to do that. We, we, Paramount right now, our lives are at stake. All of right. our, not just black folks, but all of our lives. And, and so we together can coalesce. We use our vote. We use our voice. We come together. We six foot in distance, you know, but we come together to support the change that we need to see. Thank you, Erica, so Thank much you. for your wonderful time. I know you got so much to do. You have so much planning to I'm do. I'm awake. I'm wide awake, honey. I this know is you woke are. on a whole different level. And I could not have done a lot of things without you, Akisha, sitting up with texting all night. We send articles back and forth. You're sending me different versions of articles. We're trying to decipher what's the truth, what's fake news, and or where the angle is going, what, what, they, what they're trying to build up here. And I just think that you having a soul sister, a real soul sister on the journey with you is is important for activists. You have to have somebody that's going to decipher and discern who's as passionate as you are to give multiple perspectives, because that's the conversation. It's not you agree with me. It's Mm -hmm. about what else do you see? Yeah. So thank you so much. We stand together always. Um, and we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors. Yes. This has been Akisha and Erica, and this is Black History Mini Docs. Three, two, Black History Mini Docs Podcast. Black History Mini Docs.